want you all have a seat, grab a Bible, open up to Genesis chapter 2. We're out of our study of the book of John for a few more weeks and doing a series on marriage. And were you all blessed last week with Hope and Harold? Wasn't, I mean, I was, that was just great. Congratulations to you guys. That was, that was awesome. So, But we are. We're in a series on marriage. And um, like I said last week, when a building is built, being built, in order for that building to be built the right way and, and the correct way to make sure it's a good building, um, you need to follow a blueprint. And an architect who designs the blueprint knows exactly, hey, this is how this thing needs to be built. And, and the workers need to follow that blueprint. And as they follow that blueprint, that building will be built and it should be built correctly. And, and I use that analogy to illustrate the fact that marriage is no different. And um, God is the creator of marriage, as we saw last week. And he has given us a blueprint. And the blueprint for us to make marriage work is his word. And, and as, as believers, you know, the culture, they can, they can do whatever they want with marriage. But as believers, we've got to keep coming back to the word of God. We cannot, as a believer, as a church, as a Christian, we can't look at the culture and go, I think the culture's got it going on. I think they're right. No, the culture is always wrong because God is always right. God is true north and his word is true north. And so when it comes to our marriages, if you want to make marriage work, if you want to have a good marriage, and when I mean marriage work and have a good marriage, it doesn't mean you're never going to have problems. It's never, I'm not saying that. You're not going to have a perfect marriage. Anybody with a perfect marriage? It's not, it's, it doesn't exist. It's like a perfect life. You don't, it, it doesn't exist. But as we pursue Christ, as we try to follow his word, the blueprint to the best of our ability, marriage will work. All right. And, and that's what we want to do is we want to look at this idea of making marriage work. Now, here's the thing. There's one blueprint. OK, when you're looking at a job site, if you were to go to a, a, like my like I illustrated last week, like building a skyscraper. So if, I want to keep in that vein. So if you were to go to a major city where a big skyscraper is being built and you go to the work site, you're going to have one blueprint. OK. But here's the thing. How many of you know you have multiple workers? Now, are all those workers doing the same job? Are all those workers, do they have the same skill set? No. I, even the kids get that. They're like, nope, it's different. Okay? So when you go to the job site, there's going to be framers. There's going to be steel workers. There's going to be welders. There's going to be plumbers. There's going to be electricians. There's going to be drywallers. There's going to be a lot of different guys doing a lot of different things. Now imagine if there's a plumber, he's doing his job, and then all of a sudden there's an electrician. He stops and he looks at the plumber and he's like, hey, dude, stop doing what you're doing. Stop doing that plumbing stuff because you are to be like me. You need to act like me. You need to do the job that I'm doing and quit doing that. All in favor, that would be a great idea. No. You don't want the plumber to act like an electrician. You don't want an electrician to act like a drywaller. You, you, you want a plumber to act like what? A plumber. Make sure he's doing his job right. Same with an electrician. Same with the, the drywaller. The same with the welder. You want to make sure they are in their lane. And you can't expect a plumber to act like an electrician. But you know what? We do this in marriage. Don't raise your hand, but wives, do you ever expect your husband to act like you? Husbands, do you ever expect your wife to act like you? You know darn well you do. You guys do it, don't you? Because otherwise you wouldn't be laughing that hard. You're like, holy cow, Jim read our mail this week. How did he know? We do that, okay? We have a blueprint but the reality is, in marriage, there are, you know, not multiple, but two different workers, a husband and a wife. And this is a, this is a simple reality. Guess what? 
you're different. And that's what I want to look at today. Is if you want to make marriage work, you got to realize we are different. But here's the thing. Even though we are different, we, want to, we can take our differences and still make marriage work. All right? And so even though we're different, wives are different from the husband, husbands are different from the wife. What I want to look at today is even though we're different, we're going to look at four different differences. How the idea and the goal of this message is that we step back and go, wow, as a wife, I can't expect my husband to be like me. And as a husband, I can't expect my wife to be like me. And the simple reason is, is my wife is different from me and my husband is different from me. So how do we look at these differences and how do we make them still work? So let's look at four differences and here's the first difference, and it's this. We are different in appearance. I know, not a lot of rocket science here. We are different in appearance. Now, I'm going to be honest. This, this verse, this, this point right here is the only verse that, only point we're taking out of the text. The other three verses don't come out of the text because they're not listed there, but once we go through them, you're going to realize these are differences, and these differences make problems in the marriage. So here's the first one, though. Let's look at the difference in appearance. Now, let's start with Genesis chapter 2, and I want to start with verse 20. So God has done all the creating stuff. He's created Adam, and he's given Adam the job of naming all the animals. So that's what he's doing. And in verse 20, it says, the man gave names to all the livestock, to all the birds of the heavens, to every beast on the field. But for Adam, there was not a found, a helper fit for him. So the Lord caused deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed it up with the place with the flesh. Now, I want to just stop right there because the pop quiz, as I read this this week and studied this week, the next verse really kind of, this has nothing to do with this message. I just want to see if you guys know this. Why does the father walk the wife down the aisle? Y'all are looking at me like a cow staring at a new gate. Like, to give her away. Give her away. But why? Why can't she just come by herself? Yeah, you're right. I have no idea. Can I give you the answer? Okay, let's see the answer. Verse 22. It says, And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Do you see the picture? Man and woman, husband and wife, have children. They make the children. It's an image of God making man and woman. So here, a husband and wife make a child, and it's a, it's a girl. That girl grows up, she's going to get married. As a picture of God with Eve, the, the dad walks with her, his daughter, and gives to the husband. That's what God's doing. What a great picture. He creates the woman. And he does not like, okay, there's your... No, he brings her to Adam. Wow. Isn't that a great picture? Now you know why the dad walks the woman down the aisle. It, now, when that started, I have no idea. But I just see that somebody figured it out and went, wow, just like God, the man, the husband, or the, the dad, the father, should walk. Because isn't God the father of Adam and Eve? It's a great picture, isn't it? Okay, enough of the commercial. Back to our regularly scheduled program. All right, here we go. Verse 23. And then the man said, this, is, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. The two words that we need to see is woman and man. The word man 
is translated, because you got to remember the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the, the Pentateuch was written originally in Hebrew. And we translate the Hebrew text into English. And so the Hebrew text here, the word man, that word man is translated from the Hebrew word ish, I-S-H, ish. Don't even think, don't worry about that. But the word ish in Hebrew was masculine, all right? Thus, we get the masculine word man. The word woman is translated from the Hebrew word isha, which is feminine for man. Now, in English, we don't have male and female words, like tones. Spanish does, okay? Spanish has masculine words, has feminine words. Hebrew, the same way. Masculine words, feminine words. So here, God creates man. The masculine word for him is ish. He's a man. He's masculine. Masculine, you know, there's, there's characteristics about a man that makes him masculine. All right? But when God brought Eve to him, Adam knew right away she's different. There's something different because he's been looking at all the other animals. He's looked at everything and he's named all the animals. And God shows up with this thing. And Adam is looking and he's like, whoa, man. Get it? No. You guys are slow this morning. But he knows she's different. He knows she's different from him. And he calls her woman because she's feminine. She's, she's gentler than he is. She's more delicate than he is. He knows I'm different from her. At the time, it would have been I'm different from that. And that is different from me. And I'm an ish. So she will be isha. I'm a man, she will be woman. I am masculine, and she will be feminine. And that's what he says. He realizes there is a difference here. And, the real, the, the, and, and it wasn't like he had a book that discovered the difference. How did he discover the difference? By her appearance. She looked different. There was something about her that, that God created her different than man. He created her different from Adam. He, when, when God took the rib out of Adam, he wasn't like, I'm going to create the same thing. God was like, no, I'm going to create something so entirely different that even Adam will be able to look at it and go, Isha, it's not the same. She has a different appearance than I. Now, the point of this message, the point of this point is not for you and I just to go, oh, yeah, my wife is different. She looks different from me. My husband's different. He looks different from me. It's, that's not the point of this point. Where I want to go with this point is, is that you and I come to the point where we appreciate the difference in the appearance of my husband. That I appreciate the difference in the appearance of my wife. Now, this is going to get, maybe for some of you, it's going to step on your feet. It's going to step on your toes. Because the challenge of this point is this. As a husband, are you communicating to your wife how much you appreciate how she looks? You see her appearance. And you're still saying, you're lovely. You're beautiful. As a wife, are you still telling your husband and you appreciate his appearance? You are still handsome to me. You are still strong in my eyes. That's the way husbands and wives should communicate to one another. But the reality, and let's just be honest, you know, when we're dating and we're engaged and we're in those first few years of the honeymoon phase of marriage, man, that's still real. But what happens after 10 years, 20 years, 40 years? What happens? Well, we get used to one another. 
We get accustomed to each other. We get comfortable with each other. Ah, he knows what I think about him. Does he? Ah, she's heard me say that before. Yeah, 1942. (laughs) But have you said it in the last couple days? You see, this is where Adam's at. He sees the difference. You know, we express our love to our spouse through verbal affirmation. And we see this in the, in, in, the, in the Song of Solomon. Now, I would encourage you guys to read the Song of Solomon. If you haven't read that book in a while, you need to reread it because it is, you got Solomon and one of his, and it's weird to say, one of his wives. But it's, I, I, I'm thinking it's probably, probably his first wife. Because they are in love. And the way they affirm that love between each other. Listen to how Solomon affirms his verbal, like verbally affirming his love for his wife by her appearance. In Song of Solomon chapter 4, he says, Behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are doves. Your hair is like a flock of goats. Maybe not a good way to go, guys, but worked for him. Your teeth are like a flock of shorn ewes. Again, probably not the best use of words, but it worked for him. He says, your lips are like scarlet thread. Your mouth is lovely. Your cheeks are the halves of pomegranate behind your veil. Your neck is like the Tower of David, built in rows of stone. You are altogether beautiful, my love. There is no flaw in you. I left out part of what he said because we have children in our midst. And actually, part of this message, I'm going to keep PG, all right? But go read what he says about her. But notice... Her hair, her eyes, her teeth, her lips, her neck. He's he's just like starting with her head, and he works all the way down her body. And he is affirming his love to her by just saying to her, here's how I see you. But then she reciprocates in Solomon, Song of Solomon 5. She says, my beloved is radiant and ruddy, distinguished among 10,000. His head is the finest gold. His locks are wavy, black as a raven. His eyes are like doves beside streams of water bathed in milk. His cheeks are like beds of spices, mounds of sweet-smelling herbs. His lips are lilies dripping liquid myrrh. His arms are rods of gold and set in jewels. His body is polished ivory bedecked with sapphires. His legs are alabaster columns set on bases of gold. His appearance is like, is like LeBron, Lebanon, choice as the cedars, not LeBron James. <laughs> Lebanon. Hey. But I love what, how she finishes this. This is my beloved, and this, my friend, O daughters of Israel. She's like talking to the women. Hey, let me tell you what my husband's like. And she's just checking off the list, okay? But, but do you see the love between this husband and wife? And the way you know it is the way they talk to one another, the way they, 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 they look at each other and, and compliment each other and, and let them know, you're something to me. Their appearance is different. And they, they let each other know how much they appreciate that. And as men and women, as husbands and wives, we should be doing that back and forth, telling each other, this is what I think of you. Here's how I see you. But do you want to know the killer to the compliment? is the person receiving the compliment shoots it down. Because the un, 
The sad reality is we have to deal with things like false pride, self-esteem, self-worth. And when my husband compliments me or my wife compliments me, instead of taking that compliment and going, thank you, what we do is like, really? Look at how fat I look. Look at how frumpy I am. Really? Look at how wrinkly. Are you kidding me? And what happens is if we shoot it down enough, it'll stop. Because the complimenter is realizing the one who's getting the compliment doesn't care. So why am I going to waste my time? And now you're stuck back in the, I don't know if my husband thinks I'm attractive or not. I don't know if my wife thinks I'm I'm a good-looking guy. I don't know. Because we don't talk to about that anymore. We don't say anything like that anymore. You see, that's why we got to come to that place of the, the false pride. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I deal with that. Paula will compliment. I'll say something, boom, that quick to counteract it. Because in my eyes, I see myself a certain way. And I'm like, how in the world can she see something that I, and I'll shoot it down. And, and, and this message has been more for me almost than it is for you. And the other day, I was, I was doing some work out on the deck, and she just came up. And she, goes, she goes, I'm not saying this because I'll say stuff about the message to her. She's like, I'm saying this not because you said it, your message to me. She, she complimented me. And I, I paused, and I said, thank you for that. I did not shoot it down. I, tr- I consciously said, I'm like, I'm going to receive that compliment. And I told her that. I go, I receive that. I-, I welcome that into me. You need to do that. If your husband compliments you, wife, go up and hug him. Thank you. I, I cannot begin to tell you how much that appreciate. That means a lot to me. Husbands, when your wife makes you a compliment, stop. Whatever you're doing, look her in the eyes and go, thank you. I, I, I haven't heard that in a long time. But we need to appreciate the difference in our appearance. Here's the second thing. The second difference, and this one is not in the text, but as soon as I say it, you all are going to be like, mm-hmm. We are different with our emotions. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are. We're different with our emotions. And even though it's not in the text, I'm pretty sure. Um, well, here's the thing. You see the emotional aspect of it in chapter 3. Once the fall happens. Because once God starts poking, Adam, um, why did you do? I, I'm not, it wasn't me. It was her. She did. He's getting all emotional. Now he's blaming her. And she's like, it wasn't me. It was the snake. And when we're emotional, we'll start blaming But the reality is, husbands and wives, men and women, we are different emotionally. All right? Let's just just look at that for a moment. We as men, when it comes to emotions, man, we're more like, shove it down. And we just push our emotions down. But with men, let's be honest, what is the one emotion that seems to come out more than anything? Huh? We're good with that emotion, all right? But the reality is, for men, when it comes to emotions, when it comes to, hey, the pain in life, the hurt in life, the trials or whatever, instead of being emotional about those, what we do is we'll look at our wives and we'll say, hey, we just need to suck it up. Let's just get over this thing, man. It, you know what? Let's deal with it. Let's move on. Let's get to the next thing. And we want to just like suck it up, Sally. It's okay. When it's not. But that's how men get emotions. That's what, how we deal with our emotions. Women, the exact opposite. Women aren't agreeing. Like, yeah, you're right, John. Let's just suck it up, man. Let's move on. No. Ladies, how do you feel? How do you deal with the problems in life? Yeah, you feel it. You you feel it. All right. You 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 feel the pain. You you feel the emotion. You're not just squishing it 
down deeper and just kicking it in and let's move on. You're like, let's marinate here for a little bit. Park in the emotion. And the men, we don't let the emotion out, but women do. You let that emotion out. You let it be felt. You let it be seen. And I asked Paula's permission on this, so I'm not throwing. No. There will be times where, and I've never said this, there will be times where, to me, the day seems fine. Nothing's really going on. But Paula will be like, I can just tell she's off. And I'm like, what's the matter? She's like, I don't know. I just need a good cry. About what? What do you have to cry about? I'm like, I have no, I'm, my, I'm not on the radar. My emotional radar is off. But there's something going on with her. And I would probably agree, guys, have you ever looked at your wife and just went, I need a good cry. <laughs> I have cried because of some, but I've never looked at Paul and I'm like, She's never come to me and said, what's the matter? I just need a good cry. <laughs> never. But she's done that a lot. And ladies, you've probably done it to your, your husband. I just need a good cry. But your husband's never come to you and I need a good cry. Because you'd look at him like, suck it up, Joe. <laughs> good cry. Why? Because we're different. We are different emotionally. But here's where, if we're not careful, this point, the next point, and the last point, if we're not careful here, here's what happens, is you got to go back to my illustration of the worker. What starts to happen is, as a husband, I look at my wife, and I expect her to act like me emotionally. Suck it up already. You know what? I, I hear you, but let's move on. Let's get over this thing. And I expect her to be like me, to act like me emotionally. And if I'm not careful as a wife, I look at my husband, and you're looking like, how can you be so insensitive? How can you not feel this right now? You need to act more like me. And that becomes a problem. And instead of marriage working well, and instead of working our marriages and working that difference in our marriage, that difference, because my husband's not acting like me emotionally, my wife's not acting like me emotionally, it breaks it down. And now all of a sudden there's friction, there's tension. Because as a wife, you're looking at your husband going, he's so checked out. He doesn't feel anything. He's so unemotional. And you're looking at your wife going, oh my gosh, she's a basket case. Why is she always upset? Why is she so emotional? And it creates problems. So this is why we've got to listen to Paul's words from the book of Philippians for this point, the next point, and the third point after that. For the last three points, we need to heed Paul's words when he says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So many times we just simply take that verse and we apply it to the church. We apply it to how we are work people. Do you ever apply that verse to your marriage? Do you ever look at your wife and go, you know what? It's not about me right now. It's about her. It's, it's, do you look at your husband and go, you know what? It's not about me right now. It's about him. And there's, there's got to be times where instead of just looking out for myself, well, here's what I need and she's not bringing it. Here's what I need and he's not doing it. I need to be able to step back and go, Okay, get out of self, and how do I move into their world? This happened to me, I don't know, about three or four weeks ago or so. A couple, maybe a little longer. There's some things that Paul and I have, you know, not us, but in our family, just some, some major stuff going on. She approaches it differently than I do emotionally. Me, pull up your bootstraps, let's move on. Her, different. And, and when she starts getting emotional and she's wanting to have those crying days, that's where I step in and go, you know what? Here's how you got to approach this thing. 
and I'm fixing the problem, and I see, do A, B, C, you're going to get D, so let's just do this, this, and this. And she looks at me, like, trying to go, okay, I get it. But she's like, Jim, you don't have a clue. You're not understanding how I, so, so one Sunday night, I, I think it was a Sunday night, and we were, and she was kind of, something like blindsided her with our family issues and just caught her off guard. And it, and it just kind of buried her emotionally. And I once again was like, Paula, look, you got to be able to do this, do this. And you know what? There's just times you just got to be able to just suck it up and just move on. And I'm like trying to be the cheerleader. Like, like she's in the football rocker room. And I'm like, come on. So Monday, I'm in, in the in, in, in Walmart parking lot. And it's not like I heard an audible voice. It's not like God spoke from heaven and Jim, nothing like that. But I truly believe the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. And this is what I, I, I just believe the Holy Spirit said to me. Because even that Monday morning, I think we, we still were talking about it. And, and I was still kind of like, you know, you just got to. But it was like the Holy Spirit said, Jim, you're expecting Paula to act like you. And she's not you. And I went, whoa. Like that had never dawned on me before. It was like I was expecting her to act like me emotionally. And I called her up. It was like around lunchtime. I texted her. I said, hey, when you go to lunch, call me. And she called me, and I said, I go, I apologize. I go, I've been wrong. And I go, I go I've been expecting you to act like me. I go, that's wrong. I go, because we're different. I go, I, go, I handle all this differently emotionally than you do. And I go, so here's what I need to do is I go, my job can't be to try to fix the problem and get you like sucking it up. I go, I need to step into your world and listen to you. Because she told me, she's like, Jim, she's like, I feel like I don't have anyone to talk to about this. She goes, because you're not listening. She goes, I don't even have you to talk to. And, I, and that's where I said, then I, I go, I'm not going to try to fix this anymore. Doesn't mean I, I, I mean, I'm, not, I'm still like me emotionally, but I told her, I said, I will just let you talk and I will just listen and let you do. And I need to let her be able to express that emotion. Guys, that's what you've got to allow your wife to do. You've got to allow her to express that emotion. There are times that, that we just, we acknowledge this thing. We're different, Okay. Most guys, not all guys, most guys, if we're just honest, we, we just push through the emotion. Women don't. But so, so as a wife, I've got to be able to step into his world. And as a husband, I've got to step into her. And I can't just look out for self. I can't look out for my own interest in this thing. How do we look out for each other's interests emotionally and make the difference of emotions still work? in our marriage, all right? Number three, here's the third difference. And again, not in the text, but I'm sure you're going to go, mm-hmm. We are different in the way we think and communicate. Mm-hmm. Now, me and Paula, we, we read a book a long time ago that really helped us in our early years of marriage of understanding how we think and communicate and realize we think and communicate differently. And the book that we read was entitled Men Are Like Waffles and Women Are Like Spaghetti. Anybody other than us ever read that book? One. Okay, I would encourage you, if you're married, go read that book because it's great insight to how men and women think and communicate, how we approach life, okay? So the premise of the book is, as a man, we approach life, we view life, we think about things, we verbalize things like a waffle. We are like a waffle, you're in a box, one at a time. So there are times where, you know what, um, if I am at my, or if I'm at home, but I'm thinking about my job, and, and guess what box I'm in? Job box. Nothing else. 
that's the box I'm in. If I'm working at something on, at, at home and I'm trying to fix something, guess what box I'm in? I'm fixing something in box, okay? If I'm paying the bills, I'm in the paying the bills box. There is a box in your husband's brain, in his head, it's labeled nothing. <laughs> Wives, have you ever, like, your husband's watching television, your husband's just sitting on the back, backyard, just, like, staring, in the no- just staring at nothing, just, just sitting there? You ever asked him this question? What question have you ever asked him? Then there you go. What are you thinking? What are you thinking about? Because, ladies, you're always thinking about something. And so you always ask guys, hey, what are you thinking about? Nothing. And you don't believe him. No, really, what are you thinking about? Nothing. And you keep hounding. What are you thinking about? Nothing. Tell me if tension doesn't rise up real quick. He is not lying. We have a nothing box. All right? Our brain, the way we approach life is a waffle. And if we tell you nothing, that's the box we're in. But women, you don't get that. Why? Because you approach life, your view of life, the way you think, the way you communicate, like a plate of spaghetti. You look at a plate of spaghetti, you can't tell where one noodle ends and where one noodle begins, and they all enter. enter. You approach life because everything in life intertwines. So you can have a conversation with a friend, with your husband, whatever, and, and you start a conversation about subject A, and before you know it, you're talking about subject B. Then before you know it, subject B goes to subject C, and before you know it, you have come back to subject A. But with your husband, you've been talking about subject A. You've been talking about subject A, so guess what box he's in? Subject A box. Now, before you know it, you are subject D. And you're looking at him like, hey, are you paying attention? Because he's still trying to figure out how to fix subject A. But you're over here on subject D, and you're looking at him going, hey, did you just hear what I just said? And you're like, I'm, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about subject D. And he's like, wait a minute. I thought we were talking about subject A. When did we get over here to subject D? Because he is still in the subject A box. And in his mind is, how do I fix this problem? But you view life like that plate of spaghetti. And it does this. And you can be on subject A, and you can bounce around to four different subjects, and before you know it, you're back to subject A, and you can't understand why your husband didn't keep up. Because we have to move from one box to the next, to the next, to the next. You see, men approach life, men think Men communicate one box at a time. If you ever listen to, literally, listen to a conversation with most men, now it's not like this all the time, but predominantly, if you were to ever listen to a conversation between two guys, it's going to go like this. Hey, how was your week? Good. How's work? That's all right. How's the kids? Getting big. We get that. But the women are being like, that's it? Let's talk about the week. Let's talk about the kids. That's not us. We dink, 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 box to box to box. And our conversations are usually very short, done, to the point. That drives a woman crazy. Because you're in the information. I want more information. Because my noodles are going everywhere, and I need more info. One of our favorite shows we like to watch is Last Man Standing with Tim Allen. Now, if you've never seen the show, the premise of the show is Tim Allen's character, Mike Baxter, is kind of like your typical hunter, fisherman, outdoor guy. You know, he lives with his wife and three um, teenage daughters, and he's trying to navigate through all that. 
In one of the episodes, his wife, Vanessa, comes into the kitchen, and Mike is hanging up the phone. And she's like, oh, who were you talking to? He's like, oh, I was talking to Bob. I, don't, I can't remember if that was the character's name that he said, but he's not talking to Bob. She's like, well, how's Bob doing? Uh, Bob's getting a divorce. And she's like, what? Why? I don't know. <laughs> well, how's he doing? I don't know. Well, what about his wife? What, what's going on? I don't know. She's like, well, for, well, Mike, what did you talk about? Bob's getting a divorce. <laughs> you see, in his mind... Bob's getting a divorce. I'm good. In her mind, I got to know everything. That's the way we are, guys. We are different. But again, what we want to do is wives, we look at our husbands and go, he needs to communicate and think like me. And husbands, we look at our wives and go, she needs to think and communicate, communicate like me. And it's not happening. We are, God created Adam and Eve, man and woman, differently. And he created us differently the way we think about life, approach life, view life, and communicate through life. We are different. But when we are just looking out for self, my own interest, then guess what's going to happen? When I, as a husband, want my wife to stop bothering me all the time, just, just here it is, be done with it. And she's like, we, wouldn't, we need to talk. We, I don't want to talk. And if I, as a wife, think I wish my husband would pay attention, every time we get in a conversation, he doesn't keep up. Why doesn't he just listen? He is listening. Do you see the friction? Do you see where our differences create problems? And instead of working the marriage, the marriage starts to fall apart. See, this is why we have to understand the difference. We need to just understand and realize, as a husband, I'm different from my wife. And, my, and as a wife, I'm different from my husband. But here's the thing. We just can't sit there and go, well, this is the way I am. And she needs to come more toward in. No, this is the way I am but I got to move closer to her. This is the way I am, but I got to move closer. So guys, here's what you and I got to go. Do you know in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, and this is the only, the only verse that is said to men. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. God doesn't tell a woman to live with her husband in an understanding way. Do you know why? Because women understand Women have the capacity to move around that plate of spaghetti and they stay in the conversation and they're learning and they're, they, they know and they're, they're interested. Men, we sit in one box and can't figure out why is my wife mad at me? So God says, I'm going to make this easy. Men, husbands, live with your wife in an understanding way. Amen. So a lot of the time, so men, you need to understand your wife is a plate of spaghetti. You may be in the box of subject A, but you've got to live in an understanding way and physically tune in where you're paying attention. And as she starts to navigate through different things, you've got to keep up and you've got to ask questions. And it's hard for us, guys. That is hard because... We're, men, for the most part, just aren't big talkers. We have a conversation. Let's end it. Let's fix the problem. But guys, we've got we've got to live with that understanding way. Now, wives, we can't just sit there and go. You can't sit there and go. That's right. Suck it up there, Sam. Get get. No, wives, you've got to understand that if your husband is in a box, and if it's if, if he's like doing a home project, and he's in that box. It may not be a good time to go, hey, can we have a conversation? Because in your mind, you're thinking, we got to talk about this. But in his mind, he's in that box. So in that moment, it may be a time where you like, it's not about me right now. He's not going anywhere. So when he's done and out of that box, we'll talk. We'll talk about what's going on with the kids. We'll talk about work, but not right now. 
You see, it's give and take, ebb, ebb and flow in this thing, gang. And if you want to keep your marriage working, and we're going to see this over the next couple weeks, is that you got to keep the wheel moving. The moment one of us says, nope, not going to do it, the wheel comes off, and you end up in the marriage ditch. So understand that we are different in appearance. We are different in our emotions. We are different in the way we think and communicate. And then the last point, and this is my PG-rated verse because of the children. This, I'm going to keep this very short. I'm not going to go deep in this one. We are different with our physical touch. Now, when I talk about physical touch, I'm not talking this. Think PG when I'm talking about physical touch. I don't want you parents going, what was Jim talking about when he said that? I don't want that. All right? You calling me saying, oh, great. So think outside the box on this, where I'm going, all right? Understand that we approach this differently, all right? Completely differently. Most men, not all men, but most men, the reality is we could be stressed out. We could have a bad day at work just stressed out about finances. We're just, you know, we're just feeling it. We get home that night, and later on that night, your wife is turning into Olivia Newton-John, and she's singing, let's get physical. You like that one? I can tell you, stress goes out the door. It's flying out the window, because you're like, okay. Not your wife. Your wife is stressed. Your wife had a bad day, bad day at work, stay home mom, whatever it may be. The kids just drove her crazy. You get home, and she is about ready to just unleash on you. And that night, you're starting to sing like Olivia Newton-John. Let's get physical. You're going to sound like a man singing Olivia Newton-John, and she's going to look at you going, are you? What? I don't think so. And you're scratching your head like, why not? Just the other night, you were like, what's going on? Emotions affect the body for a woman. Not all the time, not always, but for a good portion of the time. Where guys, we can be emotionally out of it, but there's a disconnect between the brain and the body. And we just... It's the illustration like a man is like a light switch in a bulb. You turn the light switch on, light bulb comes on. But a woman is like a crock pot. And it takes a long time to warm up. Do you see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? It's the way it is. Tell me if, tell me if, I, if I, am I wrong there? No. All right. Like I said, I'm trying to keep this PG. Let's just be honest. That's, that's, that's reality. All right. But again, the key is look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. So guys, if, if I'm, you know, I want to be Olivia Newton-John that night, and, 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 and my wife has been stressed, and, and she's worried, and, and she's just had, guess what my job in that moment is? To step back, take off self. And then move into her world. And I get rid of, well, this is what I want. This is what I'm feeling. And now I move into him going, how are you feeling? And I, and, I, and I try to put off self so I can help her. Wives the same way. You may not be wanting to sing like Olivia Newton-John that night. But how can you step back and go, okay, it's not about me right now. And I, can I engage in his world? You see the ebb and flow, the give and take. Isn't that what marriage is? Marriage just isn't about one. Marriage breaks down because there's always one spouse that says, if I'm not getting it my way, it's no way. Marriage works when husband and wife, husband says, it's not just about me and my interests, but it's also about my wife's interests. 
And it's about the wife saying it's not just about me and my interests, but about my husband's interests. And as we as husbands and wives give and take, ebb and flow, as I'm looking out for my interests and her interests, I'm looking out for my interests and his interests, and we are doing this, the wheel keeps moving. Marriage stays strong. Marriage is being built. But I'm telling you, if we just look at our differences... And we admit we're different. We admit, yep, I'm different from him. He, she's different from me. And instead of using those as an excuse to stay in a broken marriage, we look at how can I take my differences and make them work in my marriage to make my marriage work. Amen? I'm just going to pray for us and we'll close, all right? Because it's 1130. So let's pray. I want to pray for everybody's marriage. And I just want to encourage those of you who are single, don't be giving up on me because I'm going to do a message after all the marriage stuff on singleness, and I'm going to be hitting you too. So stay with us, but I want to just pray for our marriages and, and pray for our differences. So just bow your head with me. If you're married, I would encourage you, grab your spouse's hand and, um, and, and just, just, Father, we thank you. God, we just know that you... You created this thing called marriage. You brought Adam and Eve together. And you put them together, Father. And you, you gave the blueprint of how we could be successful and, and, and build our marriages and make marriage work. And the reality is, the Lord, we are, we are different. We're different in the way we look and in our appearance. We're different in the way we handle our emotions. We're different in the way we think and communicate. And we're different, Lord, um, in the intimacy area. So, Lord, help us to take our differences and not use that as, as a, an excuse to stay mad or stay upset to get my own way. But, Lord, help us to take our differences and move closer to our spouse. How can we not look just for our own interests, but to the interests of our spouse, to their needs? to be able to communicate better with them, to be able to think and to talk and to be able to handle our emotions together. Lord, to have a, 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 a physical union that is just blessed by your hand. But Lord, help us to be a husband and wife that we are complimenting each other, delighting in one another. And Lord, I just pray your blessing on our marriages, Father. And we just thank you that you love us and you care for us. And Lord, we know that um, divorce is never part of your plan, that you want marriages to be a, a lifelong bonding union together. And Lord, I just pray that that would be the case for this church. And we just praise you and thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Harvest, you are loved. I pray you got something out of that today. And I pray we can put these things into practice. Amen. Harvest, have a blessed week. We'll see you guys next Sunday.